Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Lamaria Chanel. It is approximately 4.15 p.m. in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Queen City. And again, my name is Chanel, uh, but I call myself Lamaria. And, you know, my spill, speak in peace and keep it brief. I told you guys that I will have a lot of things to talk about. It was just going to be one specific thing. But I do have a special guest uh, I would say, you know, the best person in the world that I know, you know, my ex boom cool, my first best friend. When I was in elementary school, they would say, who is your best friend? And I would say it was this person. So we have the Honorable Kevin Long in here. What up, Pop? Hello, hello. Hello, Lamaria Chanel. And hello to the listening audience. All right, Dad. So, I mean, we're just going to have like a conversation. I'm pretty sure that people would, they would love to hear this. So let's get this started. Tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Well, my name is Kevin Long. I am uh, the proud father of Lamaria, Chanel, and her two brothers, uh, Nicholas Long, better known as G. Nick Panda, and uh, Donovan Long, better known as Indigo Joe. And go check him out. I'm sorry, Dad. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> go and check him out. Go and check out Indigo Joe. Is I in... N is in Nancy, D is in dog, I G O underscore J O. He one of the best artists, underrated but best artists in Charlotte, North Carolina, in the universe. And go check out Ganique Panda. I I just I'll share this with you guys. I mean, I don't. I'm not gonna spell that whole name, but phenomenal with the beat. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I started with uh, being my children's father because that's my uh, that's my greatest honor and uh, everything else comes after that um, I am a career pastor I've, uh, I've uh, pastored uh, totally for 20 25 years been in ministry for uh, 28 years matter of fact baby this I can always remember how long I've been in ministry because you were, uh, you were in the oven. Your mom was carrying you uh, when I started in ministry. I'm an alumni of Elizabeth City State University. Uh, shout out to uh, the Vikings, CIAA Week, um, and all, all uh, HBCUs everywhere. And so, this really ain't about me. This is about you. Yes, it is. No, this is about you because I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there just see you as Bishop Kevin Long that they really don't you know what I'm saying they don't know you which we don't care if they don't know you because we know who you are but I mean just this is just another side of you know you outside of the pulpit so we're just we're just we're just gonna talk as if you know like you're my dad like not Bishop Long so we just we, we're gonna we're just gonna talk like that and I made those some you know some curveballs in there like about church and how you feel about it now and all that kind of stuff, and so. Let it roll. All right, so I would like to start with the church thing okay. first. So you know, just keep it a buck, keep it a hundred. How like, how did you maintain your sanity? Because we all know that you know you have had a lot of people, or have a lot of people. They say that they're for you. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know they wolves and sheep's clothes and they have on the joker face you know what i'm saying so how did you deal with that and you know all the traveling that you have done you know and then you know having a family and all that kind of stuff well i grew up 
in ministry. I grew up in church. Uh, as a matter of fact, as you know, uh, I am a third generation preacher and pastor. So uh, the church world wasn't anything that was foreign to me. It was mm-hmm. really all that I knew. Uh, I didn't know every aspect of it, of course, uh, until I myself went into ministry. Um, and um, you're right. There's a lot to deal with. There's a lot to um, there's a lot to um, to balance, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, it 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 took a it took a focus that was um, that was on the main thing. And I I thought that the main thing was serving God through serving people. Right. And so I understand that my service is to God right. and in that um, you know people uh, are neither my reward uh, nor uh, are they uh, my my sentence or or my punishment right so you know you you've heard me say this many times before as it relates to relating to people you keep your your tolerances high and your expectations low. Right. Uh, you talked about the uh, the um, two-facedness, I think you called it. Um, the joker that, face. The joker face. Yeah. Things of that nature. <laughs> you know, you, you, you expect that from humans. Right. You know, that, that's human nature. Um, and even though it may not be the, uh, it may not be the, the the majority of, of the experiences with people you have those experiences but you learn how to um, how to do what you're called and assigned to do uh, most certainly you learn how to uh, be prayerful mm-hmm. you learn how to be uh, forgiving and you learn how to be um, you learn how to be humble enough to admit your mistakes and ask for your forgiveness because sometimes you know people people do what they do based upon how they perceive an action or how they perceive words and um, you know their perception may be wrong but it's their perception mm-hmm. and you know you have to understand that people are how they are where they are and um, you meet them there and so um, that's been kind of my mantra that's kind of been you know how I've how I've survived, if you will, uh, this whole thing called ministry and balance. Right. Balance. Um, you know, I've often told, I've often told uh, people that the the best thing that could have happened to me was my family, mm-hmm. and so I learned not to uh, not to put the Put the church, as it were, above my relationship with you all. I didn't always, I didn't always uh, succeed in that. Sometimes, you know, I was out of whack, out of balance. Probably more, more often than not. But I wanted to make sure that family was high on my priority list. That my children, in particular, were high on my priority list. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have, for me, I would like to think that I raised you all. In a an environment of unconditional love, so that I would receive that unconditional love. So whatever I went through, uh, whatever I experienced in my professional life, 
whatever the expectations were of me in my professional life, I knew that I had uh, had family, in particular, again, children who were who were there for me because they saw me and accepted me for who I was. They saw that other side of me. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, though we, I think as children, we didn't understand fully, like, with you traveling and all of that. I No, because I, no, I will say this. Every single, I don't care if it was a award ceremony, I don't care if it was a, um, a sports event. PTA. PTA. Man. That, that's another subject. <laughs> that, that, that's for another time. <laughs> you know, I mean, but, you know, whether it was somebody getting suspended from school, I don't know. But, I mean, like, you were always mainly there. So, like, tied up in your schedule, I mean, you made time for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it's one of those things, like, I mean, I know as children, we couldn't really reciprocate you know how but as adults you know as we're all finding our way in our path it's not one of those things like oh we're not gonna you know give back to daddy no because I, I already said in the first podcast you know like this is what i'm going to do i'm gonna get this money and i'm gonna take care of my family that's point blank period for everyone that's been there mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so it's not one of those things as if i mean because i know don don he's on his way up he's on his way up as well as nick I mean, everybody has their point in time. Mm-hmm. But, nah, like, I was happy. Like, you know, maybe you were coming out of a meeting and come to my track meet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was happy to see that, you know, that and it made me win the race, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think the way of me, and it may be tough love, but me, I'm very defensive, like, over you and then over my brothers. So, I may not say as much as I used to, but, like, I'm in the back. Because, y'all, before then, I would tell somebody how I felt, and I didn't care about it. And I wouldn't tell somebody to go back and tell the person. I would go and tell the person. And that's facts. That's facts. That's straight facts, y'all. I ain't care who you are. I don't care if you was Oprah. Oprah was going to feel me if she disrespected my father. Or if I felt that, that omen, that, that dark omen around us, nah, that person got to go, chief. So, it's one of the things, like, you know, I know that everybody's grown. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing their own thing. But don't forever think one second that we ain't looking good. Like, yeah, we paid attention. Oh, no. I, I, we paid attention. I appreciate that. And I think that, you know, what's most important to me is the intangible love that you guys show. Right? Mm-hmm. That... Um, I was I was your father, still am your father when you were younger, but we're friends now, and that kind of uh, that kind of of um, definite, undeniable uh, friendship is valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked earlier about the the whole church world and. And, and life in that context and you run into so many people and different personalities and uh, and uh, everything I don't want to say everything a lot is conditional mm-hmm. 
you're accepted on a condition. You are supported on a condition. You are uh, celebrated on a condition. But um, in these latter years of my life, the unconditional love that I receive from you and your brothers is uh, is worth more than uh, all the gold in Fort Knox to me. That is, you know, that is payment enough for me. You know, I, my I dream for you all to have the life that you dream of, a life that's going to be um, that's going to be beneficial to you, and uh, that's going to be beneficial to society that you all would contribute in whatever way that you've been created to contribute um, but um, the the main thing the, um, the the greatest joy that I have is knowing that I have children who love me unconditionally like <laughs> you know who will go to war if if they need to, but y'all don't need to. But absolutely no. But uh, the Lord ain't don't need it. But just to know that, just to know yeah. that, just to know that we can sit here and I can see your vision unfolding. Like this is this is a powerful moment for me because this is something that you've dreamed of. This is something that you've worked towards. Um, you know, getting your degree in journalism and doing journalistic work and to see you take the initiative to do this uh, is a reward in and of itself. I am honored. I am honored, Kevin Long. (laughs) (laughs) Not just to have you sit here because I don't, I mean, you and I have had plenty of conversations, but not, it'll be it'll be closed, enclosed. It wouldn't be publicly. So, like, for this to be public, I think, because I'm we all know that every last one of us have this thing of we don't then we did but now we don't we we know the purpose of you know what I'm saying not being forefront like we don't we don't show everything like we don't you know what I'm saying just because of who you are we don't feel the need to chase clout basically you know right. Right. So, we don't feel the need to chase clout as you get older. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Who cares what people have to say? Exactly. I'm going to say what I... I mean, I didn't care about that then. Exactly. But as I've gotten older, and I think, like, walking... Because when, when I was walking beside you uh, as an armor bearer, mm-hmm. y'all, let me tell you, <laughs> it's been plenty of times that I've wanted, like, for real, for real. I'm talking about choke slam. I'm talking about whoop somebody up and down, tuck a CD roll, like, for real. And then if I know I couldn't whoop you, I'll get to, I'll call one phone call, just one dial. Like, bro, I guess you too big, so I can't do you. And I ain't going to shoot you on church ground. You know what I'm saying? But, like, I think I saw stuff in a different light that just made me like, ugh, like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, talking, speaking with other people, you know, that was like, I love you. Just, you know what I'm saying? They ready to go to war? I'm talking about hood. Like, nah, bro. I can't. I can't watch this here because people know that the they know that the type of heart that you have. So it's like one of those things that I couldn't. Me personally, I couldn't sit back and I I couldn't and 
And that church at that time made me sick on my stomach. It did. Because I'm like, man, walking beside you and being out there was two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Like, I was actually in your world. Mm-hmm. So, it was one of the things. Like, yeah, you have to be a strong person to, to mentally and physically and spiritually to be in that position. Because mm-hmm. I already know me. Like, I would have cut somebody out. You know what I'm saying? I probably would have clotheslined somebody. I couldn't be in a position that you're in. Mm-hmm. So... And then another thing about that is that you're not, you're not fake. You're not chasing clout. Because, I mean, let's be completely honest. This is going back. This is going to what you and I are going to talk about more in depth. It's a lot of people out here, a lot of preachers. And then, like, you, shout out to Uncle John Guns. What up, big dog? Shout out to Derek Triplett. What up, Unc? I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, Uncle Orlando. What up, dog? I mean, it's a lot of the names that I've, people that I've named should have been where these other people are, but they're chasing clout and you guys are being humble. Like, what do you think about that? Because these kids, now this generation, they not, no. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think, um, so the guys that you've mentioned are are three of the most gifted... Uncle Kenny. Four. Four of the most gifted and um, most brilliant men I know in terms of being able to communicate and articulate the thoughts of God, that whole nine yards. But there is a humility that they all have and, and, and the drive that they have is to, um, is to impact lives as they see that they're called to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt there are clout chasers. Um, and you know me, I don't I don't stand in a place of of judgment to say this person is chasing clout, this person is because I don't know, you know, I don't know how God's dealing with a person. I don't know, you know, what what he's ordained their platform or or their uh or their um their assignment to be. However, I'll say this: that you know, ch- chasing clout in ministry it goes against the very nature of what we call the call, because it's not about us. Right. It's about the one who called us. Um, I'm honored and humbled to hear you put me in a category. Of preachers who aren't clout clout chasers, because I've always thought that people who are closest to you, um, they have the they have the closest seats. Mm -hmm. They have the best view. Mm -hmm. They know the ins and outs, and so to hear you say that um, is really humbling to me. I just never got caught up in it. So for me, ministry doesn't identify me. Right. What you know, what I what I do is not my badge of honor. What I do is what I've been created to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like any level of and I do this air quotes, uh, uh, success, any level of success that I might have is always relative to uh, my 
faithfulness to my assignment, right? Right, right? So it's not about notoriety. It's not about things. It's not about popularity. Um, it's about having a sense of knowing that I've done what I'm supposed to do. And, and you know, more often than not, I've fallen short. But I have a sense of peace that comes with knowing that I didn't do it for the money. I didn't do it for the come up. I didn't do it for the... What'd you do? The clout. I didn't do it for the clout. Right? <laughs> yeah, the clout. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't do it for anything. So, I mean, I'm, I'm honored to hear that. I'm honored to hear that. Now, seriously, and I forgot two more people. I do apologize. Uncle James Adams. Oh, and then I will say uh, we do have Larry Charter, but I, I'm daddy. I, I'm slipping on something because I feel like I'm missing someone. Don't let me call no name. Apostle Graham. Yeah. Apostle Kevin Graham. Yeah. Most underrated person, but see that you know, growing up as I'm getting older and more mature, mm-hmm. I find out that the most prolific people or persons are the pe- are, are the the ones that are just laid back. Mm-hmm. Like we know who you are and you don't have to tell us who you are or you don't have to, you know, put on the front. We know exactly who you are cuz you can just tell. Like you can I think that as I, since I've been young, I was able to pick up stuff on people. Yeah, you have been. So it's like I know who's fake and who's not. And I'm, I'm not discrediting anybody. Right. Let me just say that. I'm not discrediting anybody, but these are the people that I have known to be, like, the most. You know, I mean, everybody falls, everyone falls short, excuse me, but that is the truth, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was thinking, and I was sitting back, and I'm like, man, half these preachers that were bishops that I, you know, that I mentioned were all in, like, full gospel and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. they just, out of, you know, they just, you know, backed out of it because of their pure heart. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't want to stay in it for the money. Mm-hmm. You know, because we had this talk. Mm-hmm. You, Nick, and myself mm-hmm. at the table. And it was like, you know, Dave, how did you, like, you know, feel about that process when you were in full gospel you gave us the truth it was like boop 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 mm-hmm. you know but I was and, and I am gonna ask you this question so what did you want to do what would you who would you be if you weren't in ministry like what what were your talents or what are your talents what did you well you know before I had a life before ministry. Yeah, um, what did you like? And the, the you know, a- after after college, and even, you know, while in college and even in high school, I worked in the entertainment industry. Uh, um, the legitimate entertainment industry. I wasn't taking off my clothes and dancing for nothing. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> y'all heard it here first. An exclusive, guys. I got the exclusive. But but I you know I worked I worked in 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 uh, in, inter, in artist management um, um, 
music production and all those things. And I think that I would have, I would have continued, I would have continued um, in that vein, um, and and, and would have would have, you know, veered off into other things. But uh, I've always just really been been uh, motivated by um, the whole process of of building a project from the ground up, producing a show from the time of from the time of you know conception to the time of, uh, of financing to the time of um, setup to the time of advertising marketing breakdown all that. So I've always been really really interested in that and I don't think I've ever really left it right I haven't really left it um because you, you managed I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you mm-hmm. off because you managed at one time I hope you don't mind me putting this on here but at one per, at one point in time you managed Nephi <clears throat> yeah I right. did I yeah. did yeah and, and and even before even before that um you know I created content for television um you know Written, written, and produced songs for, for various projects, for for two different projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never really left entertainment, as it were. Um, and I think that, you know, I I went back to it because one, it's a part of my, what I call my life's portfolio, mm-hmm. that I was meant to do that. But then secondly, I went back to it because I think that I was able to um, engraft that into in, into ministry. You know, I always like that. That's a production in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, not a show as in, um, you know, being showy, but it is a production. You have to, you know, you have to plan the week's service. You have to plan, you have to, you have to construct your, your message. You have to work on your delivery. You have to do all those other things. So, um, those two things work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would probably still be doing that, uh, hopefully at a, at a greater level I was, than, than I was before I, I, you know, I stopped. No, I mean, I mean, like you say, you still have it, you know, like a, like a lot of people, you know, that, you're one of the people that I know that someone will call and say, hey, I need some guidance on this, or hey, can you help me with this? Um, what do you call it first when you write it down? A treatment. I'm, a treatment. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so mad at myself. But a treatment, and they're like, hey, well, can you help me with this treatment? You know, I mean, you're one of those people that someone will actually run to for business or because well, I mean you're smart in every aspect of business when it comes to entertainment I think so I mean I got it from my daughter well dad I mean I came from your loins right. <laughs> so I get it from you know but, but see that's what I'm and it goes back to what I'm saying like what you're what you're doing I I knew but as a kid I really didn't know so I'm kind of following in your footsteps mm-hmm. because as a, at a young age, I was like, you know, I want to be an entertainment, an actress. I mean, I am an actress, okay? Let's let's get that together. A drama queen. I am an actress. I've been that since I've been born. 
So, but yeah, like entertainment and, you know, writing things and, you know, wanting to pitch them and all that kind of stuff and doing podcasts and journalism, you know, I've always knew that I was going to be, you know, somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, I'm glad that I have inherited from you and also making, I mean, when it comes to Donovan, Sometimes I don't get with Donna, but he's a he's a maestro when it comes to certain things. Like I want this like that, one like that, one like that, and Nick as well. But you know me being the middle, I'm like bro, what are you talking about? You just do it like this. We right. We don't need all that. Wait, all of y'all are different, and you know what's really interesting? Because uh, I was thinking that I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how scripted this was going to be. I was not scripted at all. Go. And so I was kind of thinking that one of the questions that I would have liked for you to ask me is what do I wish that I had done in um, see you moving ahead of me in, so your, ahead. in your formative years I, I back up <laughs> no I mean because you're asking the question and I'm going to repeat it back and then I'm going to ask you so go ahead okay so the question was you know what do I wish I had done in, in your formative years your and your brother's formative years um um because yeah, I think every parent goes through periods of reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, and we reflect upon and think about what we could have done better or what we could have done differently. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you're going to ask that. If I need to answer the question, you're going to ask it, then I can answer it. How, how are we going to do that? I mean, no, no, basically, what do you, what do you wish that you could have done differently in our childhood? I, well, as it relates to um, what we're talking about now, your gifts and your abilities. Uh, I wish that I had nurtured those mm-hmm. more. So for me, um, I was brought up in a generation where um, traditional academics was the uh, was was the priority. You know, reading, writing. Arithmetic, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all, all, and all those things are necessary. Yeah. But all those things are basics, and in my generation, especially in the in the African American community, black community, whatever we call ourselves, um, those things, the arts were kind of frowned upon, and so. I didn't know that. Yeah, and especially if you grew, especially if you grew up in a, if you grew up in a religious. Uh, household. Not that I do. Not and know. I do religious and air quotes. Uh, if if you grew up in 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 that kind of environment, then you know three things were important. Number one, academic. Number one, no, I'm sorry. Number number one, what we call biblical literacy, or you know everything that comes with with religion. Number two, um, academics. And then uh, number three, everything that you're doing, you're doing to prepare to get a job. Right. And so I brought that whole paradigm into into my life as a parent. Mm-hmm. And I told I was talk, talking to Nick the other day. I did not notice how um, how talented Nick was. In terms of musical musical creativity, well, he's a beast. And 
and uh, and how humorous or how comical he was, right? Yeah. You know, and the same thing with you, and the same thing with Donovan. Like, because our family was just like a real humorous family, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we did. But I did not look at that as a gift. Mm-hmm. I did not look at. I didn't look at, you know, you when you were. You know, I told a story when, when uh, you were uh, a little girl. And so, for the listening audience, um, Lamaria and her brother Donovan are eleven and a half months apart. We're twins, basically. They're Irish twins. Yep. And so, <laughs> the the, uh, the scenario I'm getting ready to tell y'all about uh, is is. Uh, is comical to me, and it's when I first saw that that uh, Lamaria was like a real a real comedian that she had the gift to act and to mimic people. So we were we were in the car, <laughs> we were in a car, and um, we had driven down to her her maternal grandmother's house, and and so when we got there. Donovan was really irritated. And he was in the car and he was just crying, just whining, just whining. And Chanel had to be, she wasn't even two, two and a half years old. And she was in his face mimicking him and uh, and, and laughing. What was I doing there? You got to tell him. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, that's when I first saw your gift to act. At that at that point, I should have really honed in on that mm-hmm. and put you in uh, a creative culture. Now you did you did extremely well, um, you know, without having been in that culture. But to to identify that gift, to put that gift in a culture where it could be cultivated. Uh, would have been a a service to you, right? Right. So, you know, same thing with you know Nick, Nick. Nick would always run around beating on stuff, and you know, to this day, you'll see him tapping. He's hearing stuff in his head. Um, you know, uh, same thing with Donovan. Donovan. Donovan could not, and you may not remember this. Donovan could not. He he didn't have a speech impediment. But he couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't put his sentence together, and he stuttered. Mm-hmm. But when he, but when he would, when he would uh, get into this storytelling mode, he would start off maybe stuttering, then he, his, his speech would just be fluent yeah. and fluid. Oh yeah. Um, and so those are the things that I wish I had done. I wish I had broken the traditional mold and put you all in a culture where your gifts could have been cultivated. Well, I mean, that I mean that makes sense, but I, I'll play devil's advocate mm-hmm. because you're talking about the, the entertainment industry. So, you know, say, for example, if, if you did put us in, you know, and mm-hmm. then they, you know, hey, we want to pick your daughter or pick your son up, like what's going on now in the industry, mm-hmm. you know? And, I, and I, like I said before, in my um, in my first on my first podcast is that I'm kind of glad that I didn't go into the industry 
with the so you can't beat yourself up about not putting us in there, you know. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I know I would have messed up a lot of opportunities because of my hot head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of my hot head, for real. Yeah. Cause like you know when I played basketball for that time, okay guys, I really my my coach said keep your head in the game. I was too high headed I threw the basketball. I was mad about something. Mm-hmm. So to be honest with you, I don't yeah, you could have molded me and shaped me into this into that person or put me in there or us in there, but at the same time I don't think I would have made it. I think people would have just like, no, I'm good. Yeah, well I think, you know, along with the gift development and I think this is probably the flip flip side of the coin, mm-hmm. there's a whole issue of character and character development. Mm-hmm. And you and your brothers have great character. So I think that, you know, first of all, putting you in a, putting you in a culture to cultivate your, your gift, to me, would not, would not be automatically putting you in the industry. Right. Uh, it would have just been putting you in an environment where you could have become the best that you could be, where you could optimize your potential, where you could learn your craft that whole nine yards. Right. But I think that the the seed of the seed of humility that was sown in you and that you know, I don't think that has that that exclusively has to do with me and your mom. I think it has to do with the grandparents and mm-hmm. your your uncles and your aunts and, and you know, just that 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 family unit that kept you grounded, I don't think you would have ever gotten to a place where any of this would have impressed you. That the things that many of these kids are selling their souls for, uh, that you would go for. Um, I think you have a a moral compass and a moral anchor where um, even if you had been in in that industry or again air quote successful in the industry at an earlier age, you would have only gone so far. You know, you wouldn't have, uh, you, you wouldn't have bitten the apple, you know. It was really interesting, um, and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing the story. Uh, if she does, then she'll just have to get me. So Kim, when Kim was home, not this time, but the last time, and for those of you, uh, who are listening, Kim is my first cousin, Kim Brewer, who, uh, is a a writing, uh, producing, arranging genius. She sang with Stevie Wonder for decades. She uh, she produces uh, and writes with him now. She produced Mesa's uh, Grammy uh, Grammy Award nominated project. So you know, Kim Kim and I were talking when she was home for for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Home for Christmas. And one of the things she said to me was that, um, you know, when she went to a, she talked about a particular party, and this party was a party at Rick James's house. Mm-hmm. And, and so she was there partying with everybody else. She said, literally, Rick James would not allow her to go into certain rooms. Mm-hmm. He said, because you're not that kind of person. Wow. And, um, and I would like to think, not think, I, be, I would like to believe, I know that that would be so with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, 
your moral compass and your moral anchor would not allow you to to sell your soul. Mm-hmm. The hot-headedness, that might have been a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but compromise would not have been. Right? So, you know, that that's the flip side of the coin. Had you had you gotten that training at that early age, had you been given advantages and opportunities to progress in your in your gift and your craft, then you'd have still been the marriage Chanel, right? That none of that stuff would have moved you. Because to a certain to a certain extent, we've talked about this mm-hmm. with within certain context, you've been in those environments. Mm-hmm. So you weren't impressed. Like, we go back to the whole church piece. We go back to the whole full gospel piece. And, and you know, I have no problem with full gospel. As a matter of fact, full gospel. I'm, I was consecrated as a bishop in, in full gospel. I grew, I learned in full gospel. But, you know, seasons change. Um, and uh, as you would say, shout out to Bishop Paul Morton. It's hard as, you know, it's, it's Bishop Morton's hard as people and, and, and that whole nine yards. Uh, but even then, you were you were in the environment where the upper echelon of that whole that whole uh, culture was right it didn't move you you weren't impressed it didn't change you you know you've been with me when um, when I've done certain entertainment projects been around certain people didn't move you, didn't impress you. And so, you know, it goes back to that whole piece of, you know, that moral compass, that moral anchor that you have. Right? Yeah. I mean, no, that's facts, though. I mean, yeah, not, not if you said, said your piece, and it was brief. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it makes perfect sense. It really, it makes perfect sense. So, my next question to you is, what what do you think? Now I'm, I'm gonna th- throw another curveball. Do you think that the entertainment industry and the gospel industry are? Do you think they're one and the same? Because we all know the entertainment industry, you have to do certain things to get up there, you know. Mm-hmm. And then with the gospel industry, like people. I'm, I'm going to say this. People look towards the church more than they think about the entertainment industry. Like, they can say, oh, like, I want to be, you know, of course, like, Angela Bassett and, you know, Gabrielle Union and, Jen, you know, th- those are my people that I love. Like, if I could meet them, that would be, you know. But, I mean, let's be honest. Let's be, let's be completely honest. People look to the church. They may say, man, I don't, I don't fool with church. But every day people get on social media mm-hmm. and they may scroll up for some motivation. Mm-hmm. But then you have these some of these preachers and these bishops that are leading, leading and I air quote, leading, leading the sh- sheep, excuse me, guys, leading the sheep astray. Say that fast three times. No, sir. <laughs> I will not. Because you used to make me say Wilson's Pretzels. <laughs> When I ain't had no teeth, like what I did have teeth, did I not? You had one. You had one front tooth missing, but that's all. Working at Wilson's Pretzels. 
Welcome to Wesley's Pretzels. No, no, you had teeth. You had teeth. You had teeth. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that was Nick. And that was Nick. That wasn't me. So you lied, Nick, because you said that was Daddy. <laughs> Butthole. But nah, no, they, they, they scroll up and down Instagram and they say, hey, like, you know, I'm looking for some inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But these preachers, for example, you get, I'm not going to call his name because, I mean, I could get sued. Same you person. could. So, don't. so I'm not going to say this person's name. But it's one of these new millennial preachers or prophets. I'm just going to say that had a sex tape out here. Okay? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But he had a sex tape. Okay. But, again, certain people look to this guy and then they make excuses. Well, he's human. But there's a certain standard that these so-called prophets and preachers hold. So my thing is, is the entertainment industry, the secular industry, air quote, different from the, the, the gospel industry, the church industry? Well, you have the industries and then you have people. So let's, let's talk about the, the three things that you addressed. I think the first thing is how, how people in... In, in the secular world, in particular, entertainers, et cetera, et cetera uh, are looking for spiritual guidance, inspiration. I think, and I think this is a, this is a, a, uh, a perfect time and opportunity for the two to kind of come together. I, right. You know, I think that what, um, what, um, what your uncle in Atlanta is doing is is a model of what should be done how you know how the two worlds should come together um, with with a mutual respect for the purpose of you know for the purpose of impacting the community so uh, and impacting the world so that that's one thing um, where else should they look for the inspiration right right who else should they look to? Mm-hmm. Um, now, the industries in and of themselves, and his, we've talked about this, his, I think the same standards um, have, have been adopted mm. by the gospel industry that have always been in the secular entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And when I say those, you know, when I say the same standards, you know, I mean, you know, these standards where it's about image and, and popularity and that whole nine yards versus the, the authenticity and, and genuineness of, of the gospel call. Right. Right. So you might not look like you might not look like a uh, a polished star but if but if you if you got it you got it that's the way it used to be in gospel right. but now and we can talk about this we can talk about this maybe a little more off record because I, I want your listeners to to be uh, to, to 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 be shocked but I will say this that no the, it's open book that the gospel industry is not run by Christian people now right no yeah we, yeah no yeah and so, but this, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean, I put a pin right there because a lot of people, they've been waiting for somebody to say that. Yeah. 
They've been waiting for somebody to say what you just said. Like, it's not the Christian industry is not ran by Christians. Yeah, we know they're ran by Jews. Yeah, right. Exactly. Entertainment. It. It. Let, let's let's say that it is run by non-Christian entertainment executives. We'll put it that way. Point right? taken. And so. Bullseye. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of those, a lot of those standards, as as I have come to know what the standards of ministry are, mm-hmm. uh, are what they call antithetical, antithetical or or against the the gospel, um, the gospel tenets, if you will. Mm-hmm. So you understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and you know to that to that point, um, no longer is it, I'll say, of the utmost importance to be uh, to be anointed. That's a good church word, which means empowered right. by God, and 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 to be able to minister to the point where people's lives are being impacted and changed. Um, you know, I had the privilege of growing up in three gospel music eras. I was born in the uh, in the James Cleveland, you know, that, that whole choir, Cleveland. that whole yeah. choir era where, you know, you didn't make a lot of money doing that. Mm-hmm. And neither did preachers make a lot of money preaching. Mm-hmm. Then there came you know the Andre Crouch, Walter Hawkins, and all that, and they they made a moderate amount. They made livings, but you know they weren't making the money that a lot of gospel artists are making today. Um, those are the interests. But then you have people in the industry who are sincere and who are banking at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you know the Bible does say that a servant is worthy of his hire, right? And so, you know, shout out to the people, and I won't, I won't start calling names because I'll leave somebody out. But shout out to the people who are, who are really sincere, and know how to operate in that paradigm of, of entertainment, but still hold true to their roots and still hold true to the calling. Uh, of God that's upon their life, right? That's, that's, you know, that's admirable and that's, uh, that is, uh, that deserves applause. Now, to the third thing, and that's, this is kind of a slippery slope because, um, you know, one of the things, and I'll go back to what, what you talked about earlier, it's the condition of the heart. So, you know, I don't know how this tape leaks and all that kind of stuff. And most certainly I ain't condoning anything (laughs) and I ain't condemning it. You know, I'm not condemning anybody. But I will say this. um, the, The heart of a minister should be, as I said earlier, to serve God through serving people and to serve people as God leads him or her to serve them. Mm-hmm. There's a verse in, in the Bible, it's in, in, uh, in, in uh, First Peter, that says, 
that that people in ministry should not do what they do for for money. The Bible calls it filthy lucre. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't do it for gain. Shouldn't do it for popularity. Shouldn't do it for any of that kind of stuff. That you should do it with a sincere heart. And I think that um, that. So the, the the beauty is that you guys didn't become that. Mm-hmm. You didn't become that crowd that that was mean, that was um, unstable, that was not dependable, that was wishy-washy that was fraudulent if you will you didn't become those backbiters and backstabbers and I think that it's easy to become that Mm -hmm. um, as a method of survival in in that culture like if you're gonna stay in the church culture and that's been your experience it's easy for you to become that person. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily do it because you mean to. It just happens. It's a it's it's a bitterness, it's it's, it's a crassness, it's a coldness, it's a callousness that um, that you develop to survive. Mm-hmm. Right? And I applaud you and your brothers for not becoming that. That y'all are still loving, humble, integral, authentic human beings. Um, out of all that. Because I've seen it. I've seen people become that. Just so they can survive. And what's crazy is, I'm not going to lie. At one point in time, I didn't become like the the backstabber or the backbiter. I did become bitter. And it was like the first red flag that I see. Or better yet, if you do, if you do me wrong. Because one thing I don't do or I, I, I despise is that I can't sit around because I've seen this plenty of times. I can't sit around and talk about people and then kumbaya with them. That wasn't my thing. Right. If I'm gonna talk about you, I'm gonna say it to your face. Now I may say to you know you or you know my best friend. You know what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, I'm going back to that person. I'm gonna say what I need to say to them. You know what I'm saying? And whether they like it or not, I did not care. That was just point blank period. I don't care because I'm going to tell you how I feel. I've been quiet long enough because, again, when you're in the church, you're, you, you know, you're, you're, you're taught to be quiet. And then as for me being quiet, that came out destruction. So when destruction came out, I was like, you know, it school and, you know what I'm saying, all that kind of stuff. But then once I started speaking up, it was a problem. Nah, dog, you'll catch this heat today. Because I'm going to tell you how I feel. 
don't come against my family. Don't do none of that. I, I said what I said. And so it, I did become that person. Now I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I did become that bitter person because. Yeah, but that's not what I mean. What was done? No, that's not what I mean. When I say that bitter person, I mean you're bitter and you project that bitterness onto people who like don't deserve. You know. You right, know right, 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 see, right, right. Yeah, the, I, I know. You know, and we've talked about how. How you how you became bitter because of certain things, but the thing that I love about you is that you did not you did not become so cold, callous, and bitter that you would make an innocent person pay for it. Right. And yeah. And I think I think the church culture is notorious for that. I mean, I don't think any of us have ever really discussed that whole process of 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 spending decades or having generations being in church and they learn learn this whole this whole survival mode of being cold and bitter. And somebody comes in the door and you start being cold and bitter towards them and start talking about them, or, or they trust you with their they trust you with their. Uh, the details of their life, and you tell everybody. Y'all never became that. That's what I mean when I right. say that. I know you became bitter because of, of the treatment, because some of the things you saw, some of the things that you experienced. I know that. Um, and you know, you became cold and standoffish. I get it. That's a that's a a, a defense mechanism. Um, that um, again, I think you know, has to be addressed. So that you can go to your your next level of, of freedom and wholeness and wellness, but um, it was never that you were damaging people because you had been damaged. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense because I've like I le- I've learned from you and I've learned from a lot of people that have came into our circle. Um. I have learned from them that, because I'll be 29 this year. So it's one of those things like, as you grow, and you grow, and you grow, you get older, you get older, you get older. It's one of those things like, certain things you just have to let go, and certain things you have to, you know what I'm saying, talk to somebody about. But then when you feel like, for instance, with us, when you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to because of the church aspect, and then if you talk to somebody, they go out there and spread your business. And then you're just like, well, dang, bro, who can I trust? Yeah, I so it's not one of the things like we're not trying. We've never tried to hurt people. But it's one of those things like, you know, let me back up. And I think all preachers' kids deal with this. They deal with it. I mean, because let's be completely honest, we're we're to- we're different aliens than the outside world. Church world is totally different from somebody that's out there doing their thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's so much that has been embedded in us, and like we're trying to work through it daily. Mm-hmm. So it's like from when we were kids up until we're grown. So like for example, people that come at these real church people that come at Leandria, they come at 
all these people talking about, nah, church hurt is real. People need to understand that. And it's these churchy people that sit up here and say, you know, stop blaming the church. It's your attitude. No, 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 no. If you in these positions that these certain persons were in or are in, you couldn't, you couldn't stand, you couldn't walk a mile in our shoes. You really couldn't. You couldn't. Right. Because at the end of the day, this is, these are the things that we have to deal with. I'm 29 years old, and I'm still dealing with it. Yeah. My brother's 28. Well, they'll be 28. Yeah. Nick, 28 and 32 years. No, 32, daddy. 32, wow. Yeah. They'll be 32. And 32 years old, that's still dealing with it. Even though they may say, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm good. You know which one I'm talking about. No, it's, he, he wants to say something, but because of his silence, because he, maybe he felt like no one was listening, or, you know, in the case of church, you know, I'm just going to keep it a buck. Like, it seemed as though, because when you're a pastor, you have, you have, you're a people's person. You have to be a people's person. You right. just can't sit back. You know what I'm saying? So it seems as though, like, a lot of people probably get more attention than we did. And it's like, dang, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, who can I talk to? And that turns to different things. Mm-hmm. So, no, we didn't mean, and we, we've never, to be completely honest, we felt something about somebody, we will say it to them, it may not come when you want it, but we will say it to them, mm-hmm. but we never once, like, backstab, because if we don't like you, we don't like you, we're not going to deal with you, that's just how we are, we're like, right. we good, and we straight, stay over there in your lane. And that's what I mean, you didn't become that. Yeah. You didn't become that. That's that's uh, that's view. And, and I I tell young pastors this all the time. As tight as I think that all of us are and have been, I know that there was a time, especially in this second pastorate, in, in where I am now, that you know, doing the growth and all that kind of stuff and trying to achieve what I was told I was supposed to achieve, that it was me spending more time with this group um, and less time with y'all. And 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 it was no excuse or it was no uh, acceptable alternative for me to say, I right, this is that time for them. I spend that time. It, you know, I had to come to, to, to grips with the fact that maybe I spent too much time here. Maybe I should have cut this off and been here with them more. Because I wonder oftentimes, I think I've talked to I, think I talked to three of y'all when we went to the Vietnamese restaurant and I asked y'all was was your attitude towards church my fault? Like did I have anything to do with your not wanting to go to church or uh, or be in that culture, you know? And for me, it was, you know, I had to get to the point to uh, to ask myself that very hard question. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to be the reason that y'all ain't tight with God. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I tell young pastors that, and I mean, it ain't, or say, man, I'm talking to male and female pastors. Man, it ain't that serious. 
I mean, it is, but it ain't. Mm-hmm. Because what I've learned over these years mm-hmm. is all that I have mm-hmm. is God and y'all and a few good friends, you know, family and a few good friends. That's all you got. That's all you really got. And you should spend your time investing in those persons. Right? So don't lose, don't lose your children. Don't lose your marriage. Don't lose your real friends. Um, Don't lose your supportive family members over church success. That was pretty deep, guys. Uh, so, just just to end this, I mean, we have, what, 12 minutes? Yeah, no, we've been talking a long time, Dad. We really have. That's cool. We've been talking a lot about church, though. We, what did we talk about? Oh, we did. We talked about entertainment industry. Um, well, so, what would you like to see happen now? Like, as far as everything as far as with us because I feel as though you you know what I'm saying it take people longer like one thing you didn't do you didn't push us to do anything mm-hmm. I feel like parents that push their kids into doing stuff mm-hmm. they really don't they not they not here for it or they they see their parents doing something like because you know I mean to me you don't see none of us in a pulpit you know we have our own way of reaching out to people but what would you like to see now like within us, the three of your kids. I would like to see the three of you walking in your purpose and on your path. Your unique purpose, your unique path. Secondly, I'd like to see the three of you happy, healthy, and whole. That's it. Do you think there, do you think because um, we say that we're more spiritual than religious. Mm-hmm. So do you think that there is, and I'm not talking about doing all this other step stuff, you know, burning candles and whatnot. I'm talking about, do you think like there's a different type of way how we can reach God? Do you think per se that we need to come to church and sit down in the pews and hear? Because I honestly, I can watch you from, do you think church attendance for us like, have you felt any type of way about that? Yeah, I, and this is... I mean, I'm getting, I'm going to answer you subjectively, okay? Okay. And when I say subjectively, I just mean I'm going to answer you within the context of, mm-hmm. of, of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So, the Scriptures say, Forsake not the assembling together uh, of yourselves as the manner of some is. And uh, I believe that there is a, you know, there is a... a a law mm-hmm. that suggests that unity uh, is always achieved through presence. I just made a law, but <laughs> I about to say, man, that's, that's pretty. I ain't never that's heard deep, that one. Yeah. That's deep, so, Confucius. So, I, so, 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 so I believe that, yeah, because you know the the, the whole concept of. Of, of church is that we are body many many members but one body and I think you know like I can't I 
if I cut your if I cut your hand off right now and I throw your hand over in that corner um, for a minute it'll move mm-hmm. because of the nerve damage mm-hmm. you know like it's like you, you can cut a ch- you ever heard run like a chicken with a head cut off mm-hmm. you snap the chicken's head or a snake you can cut the snake, snake and it still moves it still move, yeah. but eventually it stops mm-hmm. so I think you know it's it's so important to have that fellowship that connection that connectivity in the body whatever that looks like um, I think isolation is really dangerous. I think that, um, and a lot of people probably will take issue with me on this. Don't nobody care. It, right, but it's my opinion. I think that uh, being a an internet and stream member is very deceptive. Mm. Um, in that. Um, and I have nothing against streaming and nothing against the internet. I think, I think they're great in that context. But I think the purpose is when you can't go, then that's that's the alternative. Mm-hmm. I think you should should be in that place. One, because you are there as not only a person who is receiving the word, but as a person who is a gifted person, and your gift is needed in that. It's, even if it's just the gift of your presence. But then number two, I think it's really deceptive because there are certain things that you can experience live and in person that you can't experience where you are. Case in point, you and I have watched many boxing matches on television, mm-hmm. right? But when we, when we went to Vegas to see Pacquiao and Broner, it was a totally different experience, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we were able to sit there with people we didn't know. The fellow behind us was acting all crazy. Mm-hmm. We were able to feel the electricity <laughs> in the building. You, you understand? You were able to, to be, to be in that atmosphere and, and, and really feed off of that energy. And so I think that's the same thing with, uh, with church attendance, as you called it. Mm-hmm. I think it is beneficial to be in that place um, it has to be the place for you mm-hmm. uh, it can be traditional or non-traditional you know it doesn't have to be a a, a a big Sunday morning group it could be small group whatever it is but I think it is so important to be in those places because you know the the devil loves to get you separated and isolated. Mm-hmm. And if he gets you separated and isolated, your mind can become idle. Mm-hmm. And then the idle mind is the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to be in the environment, in that atmosphere, in whatever, in whatever, uh, whatever shape that takes, mm-hmm. whatever form that is. That's my opinion. Well, guys, you heard it here. Uh, well, it's 5.46 p.m. Yeah, it's 5.46 p.m. And I had a pleasure speaking with my dad. And it it was pretty awesome. So, I mean, like I say, I give my little spiel. You know, it's uh, speak your piece and keep it brief. I don't care what anybody has to say. Your opinion is your opinion. Guess what? Um, you tell the truth and someone gets mad. They know it's the truth. They know what's up. 
I love you guys. Peace. I hope you get something from this. Is there anything you would like to say before I go? Go. I'm going to embarrass you. I'm uh, proud of you, Pumpkin. And uh, uh, I want you to keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I just, uh, I pray good success. And uh, I don't just pray good success. I speak good success and uh, and all of that over your life. This is going to impact many people, but more importantly, it is going to glorify God and it's going to work for your good. Thank you, Daddy. You're welcome, babe. How's that embarrassing? I don't know. What? Okay. I love you guys. Peace. I guess Peanut can come. Oh, you didn't want everybody to know I called you Pumpkin again. Then you've been calling me Pumpkin for the longest. Alright, guys. I love you. Have a wonderful day. Holla. Bye, guys. <laughs>it's a beautiful Saturday again my name is Lamar H. Chanel I'm just gonna keep this real brief I'm gonna keep my peace and I'm gonna say my piece and keep it brief excuse me we're over here just talking have this general conversation my boyfriend and I say hey babe anyway so we're just having a talk about everything right now so what were you saying before I cut on the podcast well first Bro, it's not, it's not 420. I know, but I'm just saying shout out to everybody. Oh my gosh. Okay, can we anybody. first give an honor to God? Since you want to say first shout out to everybody, you might as well go ahead and shout him out too. I mean, I gave my big blessings to the big man above, but again, when? thank you for waking us up this morning. When did you do that? 3 a.m. when I first got it. Anyway, so what were we talking about, babe? Anyway, uh... <laughs> I guess I was more or less speaking on, you know, like, the mistakes we make business-wise in the black community, Mm -hmm. and I think our first mistake is trying to make it just the black community. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, the only, in business, the only race that matters is green. Mm -hmm. Green dollar bills, so I don't care who you get your money from. I don't care who you get your funding from. I don't care who your supporters are and stuff like that. I think the first mistake that we make when it comes to business is trying to keep it black. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm definitely going to say this before everybody go up on your list. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Say, I do believe in strengthening your community. Okay. I do believe in the fact, I mean, like the Indians, you know what I'm saying? They, they shop with each other. That's called strengthening and supporting your community, which is something that we have to learn how to do automatically, intentionally. Right. But when it comes to our marketing and our teams and how we present our ideas and how we plan on getting our name out there and stuff like that, mm-hmm. all this black-owned, 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 you know what I'm saying? You go, you go, you go into a restaurant, 
you don't ask who, you know what I'm saying, if the owner's black. You know what I'm saying? You go in a, a, a commercial restaurant, you don't ask if the owner's black or white. Right. All the different franchises. You got Asian food stops that you go to that you didn't know were owned by black dudes, Mexican people, you know what I'm saying, owning a Chinese restaurant and shit like that. It's like, you know, so because they don't advertise white owned, Asian owned, fucking Hispanic owned restaurant. We have such an identity problem, you know what I'm saying, with, with the things that's happened to us, you know what I'm saying, but we have such a problem because we try to make everything black, black, black. Now, I understand supporting your family, stuff like that, but it's just like, if you got a spot that you go to is black owned, just support them, you know what I'm saying? If it's a spot that you go to anyway, you know what I'm saying, just support it anyway. So if you're trying to find black owned businesses, that's cool, but you know what I'm saying, we don't need to make a whole spectacle out of, you know, being black owned, figure out who the black owned restaurants, uh, who the black owned business owners are, and just make that your spot, and that's and that's that. You know what I'm saying? And just spend and just spend like that. But to do all the advertising for, you know, sound like a thing we have here, Black Restaurant Week. Nigga, that's a joke. You know what I'm saying? Because Black Restaurant Week, everybody be like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Support black businesses X, Y, and Z. The reason it's a joke, and y'all heard this all over the place, and it's kind of so I ain't saying that ain't nobody else gonna say is you get hyped about Black Restaurant Week for that week, but where are you at the rest of the year? You know what I'm saying? You, right. you know it's a black-owned restaurant. You know what I'm saying? So we want to be like, buy black, buy support, you know what I'm saying? Black Restaurant Week, buy, but where are you for the rest of the year? It didn't change ownership just that week to a black person. You know what I'm saying? It, it's been black-owned, so why do you not keep supporting? Why do you keep, you know what I'm saying? Why, why do you only support during Black Restaurant Week or black anything? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I said, I'm saying strengthen your community. But we can't strengthen our community by just talking about shit. You know what I'm saying? You gotta actually do it and live it. You know what I'm saying? If you wanna strengthen the black community, okay, guess what? You shop at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? There may be like a small mom and pop black grocery store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can still look at your major goods and stuff in Walmart, but you should be like, hey, look, whenever we go get our our milk, eggs, X, Y, Z, whatever, boom, 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 we going to, uh, what, what, what's the spot, Mr. G's? Yeah. Ain't that a little spot out here? You know what I'm saying? Mr. G's little little shop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Then, then make that the thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, look, I'm planning on going to Mr. G's to go grocery shopping today. Versus, you know what I'm saying? Making Mr. G's just look like the, the halfway stopping point. Oh, I forgot milk. And I need to go to Walmart to go get milk. You know what I'm saying? Or, uh, you know, I can just go to Mr. G's real quick. It's like, nah, we like, bro, we go to Mr. G's. Yeah. And I'm supporting because that's, that's supporting your community. Mm-hmm. It's fake love when we do February comes around Black History Month and all that. And now all of a sudden, now you want to support. You know, now y'all be all up in Mr. G's all of February. He doing numbers, but here comes right. March first, and, and Mr. G's ain't doing so well no more. Right. But then guess what? If that business struggles and fails and closes. All them bucks you spent at Walmart, you said, and then guess what? The community gonna turn around and be pissed. Man, this is some bullshit. They trying to shut down Mr. G's. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Da, 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 black people, you know, we probably. And they start thinking Mr. G done mismanaged his finances and some bullshit. We gonna gossip and talk about it. But all in all, we gonna lose that business in the community. And that's everything you just said. I cannot say I digress. You know what I'm saying? I can't sit here and go back and forth to you because it's true. And like you and I were talking about before the podcast cut on, is that, is that, um, we were talking about Section 8. Oh, yeah. Now, this is going back to what you were just saying. We're not going to sit here and I'm not coming down on Section 8 at all. 
at all. It's the principle of how you're doing it. So it's one of the things like, okay, you have kids. You're trying to make ends meet. I need this government assistance right now. But what we have done is that we have we have abused it. We have abused it because what we'll do is we'll have Section 8, but we'll get all the J's in the world. Now, if you are a person that is working and is on Section 8 trying to get about it, you know, trying to get out the mud so that you and your family can have a better living, but at that point in time, that's just where it's at, I commend you for it. The people that I have a problem with is that you abuse it and you're there, but you got all the clothes in the world. You got all the J's in the world. You get your nails and you get all the, the, but you're not thinking about your kid's future. You're just thinking about for them, for the time being, just for right now. And I have a problem with that. And this is why the Africans, they can't stand black African-Americans. They can't. Unfortunately, Indians don't like us either. As long as we, as long as we come in here and shop with them, that's fine. Because we're the ones, like you said, we're the ones to spend money first. I'm talking about spend money and not invest in nothing. And that's what I have a problem with. So. So you, I'm sorry, go ahead. So you get mad, like you said, Mr. G's, when it shuts down, you don't want to go to Mr. G's. Only for Black Friday, I mean, also Black Friday, excuse me. Only for February, because that's Black History Month. Which I think that we are so... We're perpetrators. We are. Black people are perpetrators. We are. We do shit when it's time to be done. Other than that, nigga, I'm not about to sit here and do anything else. Because they got shit... Mr. G's ain't got nothing to do with me right now. I'm going to South Park Mall. You can't get that at Mr. G's. You're not gonna you're not gonna get it at Mr. G's. Then I see people like on Facebook or something like that at South Park Mall. As if it's a luxury for you to be at South Park Mall. No, it's not. It's not. I think with going back to I think we're going back to the the welfare thing. Look, section eight. Welfare, food stamps, EBT. EBT started all, with with the with the all, with the white people. All of that, WIC, all of that. Look, it's there for a set. I don't have a problem with it at all. If you need WIC, if you need uh, unemployment, if you need uh, fucking Section Eight, if you need, it's because of your current situation. Right. Then, hey, do look, so. By all means, do that. That's what it's there. for. Or you're supposed to. The problem I have, and like we were talking about earlier, is I have a really, I ain't gonna say his name right now without his permission on the podcast. Stuff, yeah, you can't. My, well, one of my best friends, you know what I'm saying? We have, he's super southern, right wing type thinking, white dude. I'm a black dude. I'm kind of fall neutral because I agree with, I disagree with what makes sense. Right. Yeah, you know I'm saying? So, me and him talk all the time. And the thing is, okay, I said, he told me some shit, excuse me, some stuff where I was like, I can understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, you know, I can understand where you're coming from. He started talking about um, why he wanted drug testing for people who are getting welfare, food stamps. Which like, they're about to start doing now. I said, which, 
And you know what? People get mad, but I don't care. I agree with it. Because my thing is this. If you're paying tech, if I'm going to work, I go to work every day. I work hard, physically stressed, mental stress. I'm trying to make money to make ends meet. And when I get a check, instead of a check being 2000 it's 500 because I've had to pay $500 out in taxes. Cool. I'm doing my part. I'm paying my taxes. No problem. I'm not upset. But where is that $500 going? Yes, there's a million different things that the government pays for, but all in all, portions that are going towards welfare, EBT, all that. Cool. If you need it, that's me doing my part to help contribute to a bigger process to help somebody get through a rough patch. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. But with you getting through a rough patch, now it comes down to the person. Are you actively working to get through a rough patch? Or are you getting that check and being like, you know what, I'm going to take a little break. Maybe you're not grinding as hard or it's not as important. You're not working as fast to get a job because guess what? This is easy money. Mm-hmm. This check is just showing up. All you have to do. All you had to do was survive until the next time that check came in. Right. Guess what? You get good at that. You start finding all reasons to not have to work because you're getting this check. And you'll work harder at fraud in the bank, you know what I'm saying? Fraud in the government to keep getting a free check. You'll work hard at that, but you won't work hard on day and day because you get used to it. Now, buying bundles buying and stuff. Buying all kinds of shit. I mean, can, now, I, can I say this? I'm sorry. Can I, can I get a disclaimer? This is tough love. We're not coming down on people who do this. It's tough love. We're basically saying, like, you got to do something about it. Because yeah. these are the same people that's buying bundles, buying yeah. Jordans to keep up with the Joneses. Exactly. So, all these people are buying these. All these people are buying this shit that don't make sense. Now, look. And as we were talking about earlier, I am not opposed to hustling. Now, everybody like, oh, so you hating on people who hustle. No. I'm, I do not hate on anybody that hustles because I understand, you know what I'm saying, why cats is hustling. But understand this. From my viewpoint, if you look at what we do when we hustle, when we get it by any whatever, get it out the mud, how you feel, you know what I'm saying? How many times is it legitimate? And but and guess what? Usually the goal is either you're hustling to make ends meet, which is a survival tactic. Because we had we have done our whole entire life. You have done your whole life, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because you're trying to survive. I said, guess what? Let me, I, and I asked this question. I said, if you had a salary of $100,000 a year, would you still sell, bud? No, you wouldn't. Guarantee you wouldn't. No. Again, because why? Because you have you the, money. The, the money. And you can do the things that you actually want to do. Now, if you're hustling to turn something into something, you know what I'm saying? You out there, you know what I'm saying? Selling your EVT stamps and all that other stuff. You know what I'm saying? You out here flipping bundles. You out here selling. You know what I'm saying? But you trying to. Who else you? But you try to get that buddy to do something legitimate. Let's say like the hairstylist. You know what I'm Yeah, you may be hustling, try to get your little coins on the side, stuff like that. But if you had, if you had, if you knew as a fact you were going to generate way over the income you needed to, to be able to pay your rent, live, make a comfortable salary, or you're saying, and, and make a you know what I'm saying, still doing what it is that you love, would you still be doing hair out of your house? Or would you make sure that you have one of the flying studios to do your hair in? That's the thing, you know what I'm saying? People are going to hustle because they have dreams of things being bigger. 
Never did anybody start us and be like, yeah, bro, this is it. This is where I want to stay. Right. I want to go ahead and do two to three. I want to go ahead and bring two to three girls here. You know what I'm saying? Make $60 a week and have to go sit in their living room or, you know, them come to my house and just, this is it. This is what I was born to do. Now, if you like doing hair, you you have some type of dream of owning your own business and it being luxurious and better than you producing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, as far as the hustle goes, don't get me wrong. Get your hustle off. I, I, I'd love to see people hustling. But, you know what I'm saying? Doing it in a manner to where you can make it legit. So all these people are getting, going back to the original point, all these people are, are, are getting this government funding and misusing their funds with no means to an end. And guess what? That's money that came out of my check. $500 I'm not getting that I earned. That's just being taken away from me. Hourly-wise, for what I work, what they pay me an hour, I earn that money that's being taken from me. I can accept that it's for a bigger cause to help people who are truly in need. But I can't fuck with the people who are taking advantage of it. Because basically, me and everybody else is paying for you to sit around and not do shit. And guess what? Ain't nobody paying me to sit around and not do shit. Well, well, I'm sorry. Can I have... There's a plot twist, though. So, there... Like, okay, so I have a question for you. The money that's coming out of our paychecks, we pay for every month. Every two weeks, I'm sorry. Every two weeks. You know, get paid. You can't say they're not catering to y'all. You cannot say they are not catering to the black community. Because what they're doing is... They are helping you out. Let's be let's be completely honest. They're helping you out. You know, granted, they say, okay, doing section eight, section eight, you can't have a man to stay with you. Cause we see that you're not gonna get the apartment. You know what I'm saying? Which that but plot twist, they'll help they're helping you out. They are helping you out. They're helping the people out. With, and he that's why I said plot twist. Oh, in section eight, in or section they're helping eight. the man out who can't. No, I said the one in section eight. Uh-huh. They 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 are helping that those families out. They're like, look, there's a waiting list, but you're gonna eventually you're gonna get on. But see, with that too, section eight. Look at the requirements. You can't have a man in there. It can't be a dual. It can't be a dual house. It can't be a combined joint household. It has to be a broken home in order for you to qualify. That's now, why I it, said plot twist. We, it's like, you know what I'm saying? We want y'all to get better if you're in Section 8. But you got like you said, it's a plot. It's a trap. How are you going to get better with a single mom income trying to take care of however many kids she has? You know, so whether that be one to four or more or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, look, y'all not homeless. But we'll give you that. And you're making a dumb look for it's like, but bro, real life expenses still occur. Just because you a single mom with four kids, they're not going to give you a discount on your phone bill. Just because you a single mom with kids, they're not going to give you a discount on your electricity. Just because you a single mom with kids, they're not going to give you a discount on your car payment. They know what they know. They, they do have uh, government assistance with like cell phones and stuff. Exactly. But you have to get the government specified shit. Right. I'm saying just to try to feel like you live a normal life is going to be impossible. Because them bills don't... The government will reduce the rates to make you dependent on them. To make you have to use the shit that they give you. To keep you down at a certain status. To where they can continue to afford to fund a very minimal lifestyle for you. And you have to do and comply with what the government says. That's facts. So, yeah, straight facts. 
if you wanted to, if you cool with, you know what I'm saying, and, and I ain't shitting on nobody, it's like, but if you don't have no aspirations to have more than an Obama phone, then I mean, like, cool. If, if you really have no real aspirations to be a productive or going up member of society and you're okay with just having everything government done for you so you don't have to work and do it, then guess what? That's that's what it is. Yeah, and you just but if you somebody who's like, yeah, I'm in section eight, but I got but I got T Mobile, you know or I got Verizon and I live in Section Eight, guess what? You're somebody who aspires to have something nice. Mm-hmm. So with that same motivation, you 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 gotta figure out how to get out of the you gotta figure out just how to make more money so that you can get out of section eight. And you know, it's it's like people are like, oh well look if it's cheaper and if it works for me, why should I? Da da da. I'm trying to stack my coins. You know what I'm saying? It's not smart to just start making more to go spend more money and stuff like that. No, it's smart to get out of a government trap. Though. That's true. It's my. It may be hard, but it's smart to get out of a government trap. I've been in very tough situations and positions, and I don't look down on anybody ever. But the most government assistance I ever had was for uh, unemployment mm-hmm. for a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I'm saying, and that was like one thirty. You know I'm saying for a month, and then immediately as soon as I got rid of something, I, I called. You know what I'm saying? I called and had that shit shut off. I was like, yeah, don't send me no more, no more checks. Like, well, what people don't know is they have to, and that that's another thing that gets with black people. That's why I say black people have to do their research because when you get unemployment. This is why people have back taxes and stuff like that. You got to owe the government. Because if you don't put that unemployment on your tax stuff, they coming for you. Yeah, they gave you money. They, they gave you money. Oh, wait a minute. Now, we done gave you like $700. And we want our money back with interest. With interest. We had to give you money. And we're not telling people. We're not speaking like we're just, we got it all together over here. It's like, no, this is stuff that we know. And this is stuff that we have realized. And learn, yes, and then learn along the way. We're not sitting here bashing anybody. We're trying to help y'all. Because at the end of the day, there's nobody in Charlotte, North Carolina that's talking about it. They're talking about it, and I'm saying, like, statuses and stuff like that. But there's a difference between reading and, like, listening to some, you know, to someone talking about it. But, but you know, I will say this. Let me throw this. I am proud to see that, you know what I'm saying, from from here, from what I've seen since I've since I've been here, since I got here in 06, I am proud to see the level, the the increase, you know, what I'm saying the increased levels of successful black people. Mm-hmm. I'm happy yeah. now. Look, I'm happy for everybody, honestly, because I'm. If, if you ever get to know me, I'm a people person. I really, I can give a fuck less about race, but there's just certain things that go hand in hand that you have to talk about. You know what I'm saying? Because all these situations that we talked about. It's heavily predominant in the black community, but it happens in all communities all over the place. There are white people in Section 8. There are Mexicans in Section 8. There are Asian people in Section 8. There are Indian people in Section 8. There are Indian people who get government assistance, white people, Asian, but so this, so this is really all demographics spread across. It's like both. But they, they but, mainly but target the black focused, community. But we're mainly focused on the black community. Well, no, but that, that's because of that's who they target. Yeah, that's what I mean by, like, I really don't care about race, but certain things go hand in hand. Right. All those things... Are mainly aimed at the black community, so that's why you have to frame it that way. But pretty much, long story short, yeah. Look, if you're gonna be, please be a productive member of society. 
because taxes and government programs do work right when not abused once they get abused to a certain limit you know what I'm saying? It can no longer work for anybody. The people feeding into it and the people, you know what I'm saying, receiving the assistance, it starts to turn back for everybody. So if you can, please just go to work, hustle on the side, work on your own dreams, pay your fair share of taxes, make sure, and another thing I want to make sure, with all of that, go to your city council meetings. All the shit that y'all complain and talk about gets talked about. I was just about to say it something. It all gets talked about. Y'all just don't show up. It's free to show up. It's free to get the information. Anybody bitching about 77 Toll Road, stop it because you didn't go and vote on it. You didn't go to the lobby meetings that they were having two, three years ago that they were announcing on the news that they were going to have people there. Nobody was showing up to these things. Y'all just kept going about your normal lives. So um, pay attention to your local politics. Get off your ass and do something. Right. If you can work, work, you know what I'm saying? If you're not able-bodied, if you're not... Guess what? I'm not talking to you. If you're not a something, but guess well, what? Well, even those people would get here and grind. If you have, if you have the ability to get your shit together, get your shit together, because you'll see as a community how we will flourish when less and less of us are on government assistance. And that means less and less of us are going to be struggling. Less and less of us are going to be selling drugs or having to hustle illegally to end up paying this thing. And our communities will strengthen that way. How do you want to strengthen communities? Strengthen yourself. Get up off your ass. Make some money, pay your taxes, and go for what it is that you know. Facts. That come on, uh, Martin Luther the King. I said Martin Luther the King. <laughs> but no, seriously. At the end of the day, like you said, but and I will say this, and I may get a lot of pushback for what I'm about to say. I don't want to see not another person out there marching either about some stuff Facts. that y'all don't barely know about. I like real talk. I don't want to see nobody else. If you don't know, and I get it that we're all trying to come together as a community. I just want to say this to, because I have to learn. That's why I don't do the Black Lives Matter anymore. Because, because Black Lives Matter, we didn't create that, guys. All right? There was a gay man, a gay Caucasian man that created this. That created Black Lives Matter. And what happened was he create, created this. And everybody started coming together and all this kind of stuff, which I'm going to say this. And this is why I'm talking about the black community, because we had that shooting here with Justin Carr. And what was my man name? Keith Lamont Scott. I, yes, that was very tragic what happened to what happened with both of them. But I will say this. All these activists that were here, they weren't from Charlotte. And I'm going to tell you how I know. Because my father and I were at one of those meetings because they had invited us because they saw what I had. They saw me and the picture was it was circulating. And you know what I'm saying? I'm with my hands up with the police. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm here. And they wanted to invite me. And I also saw what happened to Justin Carr. And I wasn't the only one that saw it. But half of these people were from Ferguson. And y'all gotta y'all gotta pay attention to what happens. Because all of a sudden, as soon as that shooting started, y'all got to realize, as soon as it started, people were already here from Ferguson. So y'all got to think about what's really going on here. Black Lives Matter is not created by black people. This is why I don't march with Black Lives Matter anymore. Y'all have to do your research, man. Because what y'all do is y'all hop onto any wave. 
Y'all hop onto any wave who seems like they're an activist, who seems like they are uh, they are just pro-black and for the black community. Y'all gotta do these do research on these people. Real talk. Y'all have to. Y'all fall in the wave and don't know where the wave's going. Stop it. Learn your research. You know what I'm saying? Get into what we're get into what we're doing. Cause I don't want to see not man nobody else marching out here and you don't know what you're marching for. You don't know who you're marching for. And y'all sip, and, and this goes for the church too. Y'all seeing y'all following everybody that has a new wave, and that sounds like they're talking right. And they come to find out these people are not who you who they say. Get to know God for yourself, black people. Since everybody want to be scared, not every black person came from Africa. So y'all stop it. Stop it. Now I'm for real. Stop it. My father told me that. My father was like, everybody didn't come over here on a boat. You got the Moors. There are other people. What were the little Irish people named, baby? What are they called? That was the, the, the pygmy. We got the pygmy tribe. That's what I'm saying. Y'all need to read. Oh, y'all want to wear uh, all this stuff that comes from Africa? Not to say because I do, but y'all want to sit up here because y'all following the move. And y'all got to realize that these people are not really for including the black people. They're not for us. They're about the money. Farrakhan would have been dead. My name, R.I.P. to Nipsey Hussle. But how in the world do you claim that you're for the black people or whatever, but y'all didn't go out like how Nipsey Hussle did? I don't care what y'all say. That young man, out of all his years, claiming what he claimed, all of a sudden, when this man about to put out a documentary to help the black community, he's dead. The young man that they got is a scapegoat. I may get a lot back, like, but I don't care. He's a scapegoat. There's no Nipsey Hussle should have been dead if y'all really want to talk about it. If they really wanted to be on his head, they would have been got him. But as soon as he started talking right, and he even said, he said, look, if I get ca- killed... By putting this documentary out about Dr. Sebi, Sebi, sorry, y'all better ride for me, cause he knew his time was coming. So Revenel Sharpton, Farrakhan, cause y'all niggas living on. Martin Luther King died in his thirties. Malcolm X died in his thirties. The only long living person that lived was Dr. Sebi, but that's because he was over in another country doing his joint. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta wake up, man. Thank you. And they killed him. <laughs> they killed him. So I, hey, they killed Pop. They killed. They killed Lisa Left Eye. They killed all these people who was trying to keep people conscious. You got people out here like Farrakhan, um, Revenel Sharpton, and all these other activists that are long living, that are still living. Nigga, they have one foot in and one foot out. They are for the other side. The money side. The money side. Wake up. Dr. Umar Johnson. I'm calling everybody out. Dr. Umar Johnson. I'm not going to see him. He's coming to Charlotte. Dr. Umar. He should have been gone. He said they see him all over the media. He should have been gone. I don't care. Dr. Umar should have been gone, y'all. Wake up, black community. He should have been gone. And yeah, I'm, they killed Nipsey so fast about the about the Dr. C that But that's but, but that's game blast on my man. Who? Who are you talking about? Oh yeah. 
They ain't. A, that's what I'm trying to tell y'all, man. Y'all better wake up for real. Everybody, everybody want to be woke, right? Everybody wants to be woke. And I'm talking about these big flat platform people. I say platform, platform people. I ain't talking about somebody that's in your little community and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And they not they don't have a caliber to them. Like that's that's who I'm not talking about. I'm talking about all these people that are so called conscious. I, that's who I'm talking about. These activists. And I put a quote on that. A quotation mark on that. These activists. Man, y'all better. And the reason why I'm telling y'all is because I have. I'm not going to call myself woke. I'm going to say that I have obtained information. I do my research now. I, I do my research now. If you're not going to die for it, shut up. Everybody wants a voice. I, y'all, listen. Y'all want to follow Oprah? I'm getting in everybody right now. Y'all want to follow Oprah and all this kind of stuff? These people who claim us were up and down. They, they are these kind of activists. And they have activism. <laughs> Did I say that right? Activism. Activism. <laughs> anyway, seriously, y'all. Y'all, look. All I'm saying is do your research. Y'all, y'all following everybody. Y'all following everybody. And it's not cool. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was one of those people that, oh, yeah, man, you know, he sound conscious. Or she sound conscious. Oh, my girl Sandra Bland. Her. I forgot about her. She was in her 20s. Or was she 30-something? She was young when she died. Y'all got for real. Y'all want to be woke? Wake up. And look, I know enough to know. I don't know enough, but I do know a couple things. Until you know what's actually going on, before you formulate an opinion, check out the situation. It's formulate. That's what I said. Formulate. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway. You don't know enough. Don't formulate an opinion or, or, or just try to go based off of somebody else's reaction that you hear and all of a sudden you're going to be in uproar. Figure out what's going on. It's okay to take your time to gather the facts. You don't have to speak on something right away as soon as you hear about it. You know what I'm It's okay to wait and gather some facts before you put a statement out. Um... Right, and as far as, you know, everybody who's lost their life for a cause, you know what I'm saying? R.I.P. Rest in Rest in paradise. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for everybody who's made a way for me to be able to freely speak like this on a podcast and not be illegal. Mm-hmm. And also thank you to the most high, of course, for making everything possible. But, man, really, y'all just inform yourselves. Make your own opinions based on your information and not how everybody else feels about something. Um, yes, there's real things happening in the world. You know what I'm saying? But until we really... Yeah, every, 
so cliche everybody say until we come together but it's like really until we understand you know what I'm saying that we don't have to do the shit that we've been doing anymore that's what I'm gonna say we can't we won't grow until we understand that that you can we have a choice now you can do something different anybody who feels you're oppressed by the man I ain't gonna lie and say if there's not a black tax you know life is just a little bit harder whether it's minimal or this life is just a little bit harder for people of color but mm-hmm. it's nothing but, but it's nothing it's nothing at this point of tolerance it's nothing that you have no reason you have no excuse anymore to not be successful you can't blame it on the man anymore we have social media that by itself we have social media you can promote yourself you can promote whatever you want you can promote anything and everything shout out to um go check out my brother's website one stop baba oh yeah one stop baba go check you know it what I'm out saying? it's a uh, portable bottle warmers for you know what I'm saying y'all out there with kids you know usb charge wrap it around your little bottle the heat's on up you baby got warm milk wherever you at um so go check that it's out wherever you are okay <laughs> y'all know where i'm from you know what I'm saying? anyway no they don't california yet so <clears throat> Shout out to Santa Ana. Oh my gosh. Okay, y'all. So he he wants to rip it. No, but everything he was saying was completely true. I love my black people. I love y'all to death. And yes, and another thing about the Nipsey Hustle thing is why I'm bringing back to the our black people's point. He made a change to the point where the Crips and the Bloods were coming together, tying their flags together. We saw the video. We saw the video. If they can do it, then we as black people can put our differences aside as well and come together and make amends. Because honestly, some of the stuff that we beefing over is not that deep. I had to learn that myself. It's not that deep. People lie every day, B. You know what I'm saying? People do shicey stuff every day. I mean, and the Bible says if you have an audit with your brother, you should go to them, right? So that means don't put all this stuff up on Facebook, drawing attention. You need to go to them if you have a problem. And I and I learned that myself. I'm the type of person that puts stuff up on Facebook on how I feel, really, about a person that I'm beefing with. But I will say I was that type of person that, because I know myself, because I know myself, I will back away. I used to love confrontation and beat people up and stuff like that, but I'm not there anymore, so I have to... Think about what I'm going to say first before I say it. So if the Bloods and the Crips can come together, y'all, we can also come together. Black people. I mean, that's just where it's at today. (laughs) You're lame. Is there anything else you would like to say? Oh, they coming for your neck. Look, bro, you said I mean, I'm pretty sure that I do too. Like, anyways, whatever. So, no, seriously, black people, we love y'all. We just wanted to come on here and talk about that for a little while. I hope everyone is having a blessed and a prosperous Saturday. It's a little rainy night. It was raining out here. All people, we love y'all. Yep. I love my black people. I love all people.
see now you trying to you trying to start some smoke. That's what you that's what you're trying to do because at the end of the day we was talking about Yeah, no, yes we are. We're gonna do it today. <laughs> Cause I'm saying we talk about the black community. Okay, we established that during the whole little thing. Like, we said, like, it's just not a... Why, 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 why are we going back and forth about me giving all people love? No, okay, so you're trying to start smoke, smoke. No, I'm not saying that you couldn't give all people love. What you said, I said, black people, we love y'all because we're on them the hardest. We're talking about them. We want them to evolve. We want, you know what I'm saying? We're not in the Indian people's shoes. We're not in the Caucasian shoes. We are in African-American shoes. But that you and I. But there are Indians. Yes, I love them to death. There's Indian white people, Asian people going through a similar struggle. The black person who's gonna hear your podcast, you know what I'm saying? Be like, okay, they can so hear that's it. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying like all people. But, like, okay, so how? Producing. But okay, so then let me ask you this, and I'm I'm being done with it. For real, I got a legitimate question. How come people can talk about who they want to talk about in a positive light on their podcast? And not feel any type of way by any other race. I understand, yes, we all are going through the same thing. But we're specifically catering to the black community right now. I, what I said, my piece, I said, all people, we love you. Yeah, we love all people. I was feeling. So hopefully nobody thinks. I mean, I don't know how you can match that and construe that thinking, but I'm just like, it don't matter. Be quiet. Everybody else is talking about, I felt like telling all people, we love you. No, we. And that's what I did. <laughs> Case closed. Alright, so anyway, because I'm not going to argue back and forth. It was so on for two hours. They're like, dang, bro, what kind of podcast y'all was doing? <laughs> y'all talking about for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, seriously, y'all. I love y'all. Let me know what you think about this podcast. Um, you can listen to it on Anchor, Spotify, Apple as well. Just type in um, Chanel's podcast or Amaris podcast. I have to figure that out. But thank you for my little co-host today. Yeah. And we love you guys. Have a wonderful day. And like I said, man, speak your peace and keep it brief. Shout out to ERDs. Go Bobble. Oh, yeah, shark the ERDs. <laughs> Bro, like, come on, like. <laughs> I love y'all. Bye.